Hey, Scott here with Grace Bible Church. Before we get into this message, I just wanted to thank you for streaming this sermon. We pray that each week you are challenged by who God is and what he has done for you. Now, this is never meant to be a substitute for you to be an active member of a community of faith. If you live in the Hollidaysburg area, or if you're in town for any reason, we encourage you to gather with us on Sunday mornings for our word and worship. You can learn more about what God is doing through our church body on our website, gbclive.org. My name is Scott. I'm just one of the teachers here in Gospel Roots. Um, This morning, like I said, we're going to pick up. Last week, Grable was teaching through the opening of Galatians. And so we uh, were doing a shorter book, you know, in Galatians, six chapters. And if you were with us through Exodus, much longer book. So we can we can actually go through and dig in a little bit more into the meat of what is happening in this passage. And so Grable was talking about, um, and he did a great job of how Paul opened this letter, uh, exclaiming the authority that he had been given, not by man, not through what he had accomplished, but that he was given this direct apostle authority through Jesus himself. And then he was talking about how the gospel is this grace. It is just fully grace that has been given to us by God. So a little bit of a recap in case you missed weeks one and two, and it's going to be super brief. You can go back and listen to the podcast. Paul and his associates are making their way through uh, the, the areas. And so they went through the church of Galatia and they planted all of these churches. So we're not quite sure exactly geographically what all is entailed with Galatia, but we know that there's multiple churches through this region that Paul had planted. He had given them the good news and there had been churches planted in those areas. And then we know that Paul made his way back through on his way to Antioch. So after this opening, that that Brian covered last week, there's a stark shift in the tone of the the letter to these churches. And so if you have your Bibles, open them up to Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. I'll be reading out of the ESV, and it's up on the screen. So this is what Paul says. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For I am, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. That's some pretty harsh wording to, to these churches. All right. So our main idea. This is why I think Paul, uh, Paul is communicating. God has given us one gospel And believers should work to guard it against false teaching. So there's one gospel. There are many false gospels. What differentiates the church, the followers of Jesus, 
in false churches is what they teach, is what they believe. Paul is saying that he is astonished. He's amazed. He, he can hardly believe his eyes that these, these people in Galatia who had just received this good news have immediately, seemingly went back to their old way. Now, the reason that this is interesting is because in most of Paul's other letters, he gives some kind of word of thanksgiving. He gives some kind of like thankfulness to, to the people. Not in, Gal in the letter to the Galatians. He gets straight to the point of his letter. And that is that the church is under attack. The church is being infiltrated by a false gospel. He says, not that there is another one. There's only one true gospel. That in of itself is concerning. If someone would come in, if I would stand up here and preach a false gospel, that is not good for the church. But what's even worse is that the believers in that church were believing it. So it's one thing for them to hear the false gospel. It's another thing for them to put the true gospel aside and then follow this false gospel. But that is what is happening. And that's what is amazing to Paul, how fast they're just deserting this good news. To be clear, this is not an issue of secondary or tertiary issues. This is not whether or not one church was baptizing infants or one church was teaching about church membership or another church was teaching that there are gifts of the Spirit that are applicable to today or this church believes in this kind of end times revelation and this church believes in this. That's not what Paul is talking about. He's saying that there is a false gospel, a false belief in what saves people from their sin. And that is what is happening. This is a distortion of the gospel, one that is deviating from the one that Christ had given us. And that is the gospel of justification by faith alone in Christ Jesus. I want you to think about this for a minute. By a show of hands, how many people here have ever been um, testified or witnessed to of a false gospel? Has anyone shared a false gospel with you? Okay, about half of us, roughly, okay. What tipped you off? What? Anyone that wants to share, what, what tipped you off that it was a false gospel? Matt? Uh, <clears throat> that the focus was on something I needed to do. Or okay. needed to do. And that it, it, just, it didn't focus on God. It was more of a very much a workspace. Okay. Workspace. Anyone else? Just read the Bible. That'll save you. Well, I mean, that's the, the, I was raised with the false gospels. Okay. And as I got older and actually started reading the Bible, like, that doesn't sound right. Okay. So what you were initially taught didn't coincide with what Scripture taught. Gotcha. 
Okay. Anyone else? Uh, Tyler. Okay. So it was more based on what the church is and was based off of the actual teaching of Christ. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we, we could go on and on. There, there is no shortage of different ways to distort the gospel. Now, even for anyone who didn't answer, the person sharing the gospel or the institution that was teaching that, did they believe what they were teaching you? Did they believe that the gospel they were teaching was true? They did, likely. Not many people are going to share a gospel with you that they know is inherently false, right? They believe it. So what was this false gospel that was being preached to the Galatians? What was happening, Brian touched on this last week, the Judaizers were coming in and they were saying, yeah, yeah, there, there's Jesus, but then you still need to abide by circumcision. You still need to abide by the law, right? And if we think about this, it was a faith plus works kind of combination. But you also have to remember, let's, let's go back to, to week one, where we kind of did the overview this isn't just a, hey, you know, let's start drinking Pepsi instead of Coke, like kind of change in their life. It wasn't just like a kind of a little shift that they had to make. This was generations and generations and generations of people who were held to the law. This wasn't a small thing for them. And so as these Jews were, were going back and these believers were seeing that the Jews were now coming back and saying like, no, there, there's still the law that we need to fit in. There's still the law that we need to abide by. They were, they were really confused as to, well, is grace sufficient or, or is it grace or do I do this because it got confusing to them? Have you ever tried to change a habit in your life? Maybe trying to eat better, uh, work out more, biting your nails, I do that, getting angry at your kids, getting caught up in gossip. It's difficult. It's hard. Sometimes we're, we're in the middle of it and we don't even realize we're in the middle of it until afterwards the conversation's over or we're done biting off all of our nails. And, and we're like, I didn't even realize I was doing it. That is what can happen if we don't take the gospel as the most important thing in our lives. So it is difficult, and it's only through that grace that God gives us that we are able to see that. I was talking with a woman earlier this week, and she was raised in, in a devout uh, Catholic family, as, as I was. This woman, I, I, I don't know much about her. I, I don't know how old she was. I'm not going to speculate. Uh, she was older than me, and she had just come out of, of the, the faith, the Catholic Church. And she was expressing with me some of the, the difficulties that, that she was still working through. Uh, you know, someone would say, oh, we're, we're justified by faith. She, she's still struggling with that. And she said it's still really difficult for her not to just say, this is hard to understand. It's hard to wrap my head around, but I know this. We tend to gravitate back to what we're familiar with. And so that would just lead me to believe that we need to become more familiar with the gospel with what it is and what it means for us. She said it's difficult for her to, to be able to 
explain it to others because there was such a, a profound change in her that it's difficult. And, and this is true for all of us. We were all at one point converted. We, none of us were born following Jesus. We all had to work through our own story and, and God is working that together. And this is why it was so important for Paul to declare who his authority came from. He didn't go off to university. He didn't, you know, do his own little, you know, Paul's Bible study and, and figure this out. He said in, in uh, verse one, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ. The gospel that he planted in these churches was the true gospel because it was the gospel given directly from Christ himself. So this sounds really daunting. Like, man, we, we can script the gospel really easy. Well, let me ask you, what does it take to distort the gospel? How much do you have to change it in order for it to be a false gospel? This isn't a trick question. I'm sorry? One word. Yeah. One drop of poison pollutes all of the water. Right? So this is, this is what Paul is writing the letter to do. He's writing this letter to call it out, to say, be on guard. Look and see what is actually happening in your church. Because through the Spirit, we can fix it. So what is the gospel? This is a question that, you know, the gospel isn't some plan that we just pick up and then we get to like figure out what we like about it, what we don't like about it. And we really just focus on this part of it. The gospel in itself is one true thing that God has given us. I'll do my best to kind of summarize it quickly. The gospel is acknowledging that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is the Messiah. He is the only son of God who through his perfect atoning sacrifice, he became the propitiation of our sin so that we who have been called by the spirit to repent of our sins and put our faith in him, he will provide to us a clean heart in order to unite us with God our Father for all eternity and to save us from the judgment that cast us to hell. Anything changed? And again, that's a summation. But to say that, plus you got to do good things, plus you got to serve, plus you got to do all those other things, creates a false gospel. So with, with the Jews in saying, we need, to, we need to have circumcision, we still need to obey the law, we're going to see as Paul draws this out in the letter that, no, we, we are free of that. We, we have been broken of those shackles. We are no longer held to that law anymore. And this was like the emoji where the head explodes. Like, this is new information. This is something that is really difficult to get our heads around. That's why we need the Spirit. And I just thought that this was funny. Paul does have a little bit of a sense of humor. He says, not that there even is another gospel. Like, there actually is no other gospel. There's nothing else that can save you. Again, it's not something that we come up with that we can interpret into multiple different ways. Jesus said there is one way, and it is through him, by him, and for him that we 
are brought to God. I read somewhere and it really kind of made me uncomfortable. The only thing that we actually contribute towards our salvation is the sin that Jesus had to die for. That's it. It's the only thing that we contribute. It's not our works, our deeds, ordinances, sacraments, tithing, Bible studies, the good vibes we send people, charity. We provide the sin that Jesus paid for. If you've attended Gospel Roots for any amount of time, you've probably heard me talk about um, the the LDS uh, or, or Mormon friends and the, the many, 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 many conversations that Carly and I have had with them as, as we've witnessed to them. Their faith teaches that an angel Moroni appeared to Joseph Smith in order to reveal a new revelation to restore the gospel. And, and when you're in conversations, you can quickly get to the point as we, as our brains naturally try to find commonality, that's just how our brains are kind of wired, that you get halfway through the conversation and you're like, they're saying the same thing we're saying. But it's different because you need to know terminology. You need to know the questions to ask. And, and this gives them a false gospel. They're, they're faith plus works. They're Jesus' atonement plus our contributions. And I know that we can easily pick on other faiths and other denominations, but we do this too in our own lives. This is the sin that we struggle with day in and day out. How many self-described Christians are on YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Snapchat, um, in churches preaching that are, that are giving the angle that they, they have this nugget, they have this new information that is going to help you live a better, more prosperous life? It seems like it's becoming more and more. There's, if you go on YouTube, you can see programs and studies and classes that you can take that are going to give you the inside secret to how to live a better Christian life. The only secret to living a Christian life is the gospel. It is following Jesus. There's no compromise. Theology matters. People can say and do the right things with the wrong motives. So we need to be careful because there are a growing number of wolves in sheep's clothing. As Carol said, we are one degree, one word from changing the gospel. So that kind of makes the gospel seem like a big thing, right? Like understanding the gospel, knowing the gospel, articulating the gospel, living out the gospel. That's important. And we can easily say, well, I know the gospel. I understand it. Yeah, I can, I, I can death, burial, and resurrection. Yeah. But I would, I would just ask you not to fall in and just assume that we know. Test it. Try it. Have conversations. Try to poke holes in it. See how, see how it, it can flex and see where, you know, you feel like you're not as, as uh, equipped to talk about maybe, maybe justification is something that you struggle with. Maybe sanctification is something you struggle with. Maybe Jesus is fully atoning for your sins is something that you struggle with. Have those conversations. 
So Paul is saying that even if he or an angel from heaven, which is ironic with, with the LDS, if even an angel of heaven preaches a false gospel, let them be accursed. That's a serious, serious thing. And he says it twice in verses 8 and 9. So how do we as a church be like Paul and guard the gospel from being distorted or help others who believe in a false gospel? How do we do that functionally? Theoretically, we say, well, we protect the gospel. We preach the gospel. We live the gospel. What does that look like in your job? What does that look like in the grocery store? What does that look like when you get into a conversation with a coworker who is of a different faith or a different tradition? Or maybe how does that look like when a member of our church is believing a false gospel? How can we as a church guard the gospel? What are, what are some ways that you guys think that we can come together and do that? Know your Bible, know what it says. Mm -hmm. so, you, so you need to believe that the Bible is the ultimate source of truth. God's word is the ultimate source of truth, right? So yeah, we, we need to know what it says. We need to be living that out. What else can we do? What else can we do? You know, we, uh, we talked about in our discipline series that approaching someone with, with a question, with a concern, can be uncomfortable. We as a local church must, must work together. As Grace Bible Church, we are one church, we are one unit. So it is important that we all work together because we all don't just talk about Jesus here. That's my hope right? We talk about Jesus outside of here. And there's no way that the church can, can watch over all of these conversations, nor should it be. So how, how do we guard people to make sure that we are strictly following the gospel? We do this by being diligent. We listen to concerns. We ask someone who who may have taught something that, that we may not understand or maybe even agree with. 
and we have that conversation. We need to be willing to have those conversations. We need to challenge, not in a, not in a, an aggressive way, but to be able to say, hey, you said this, and I'm struggling to see how that fits in with this. Remember, if we compromise the gospel, we strip God of his glory. And we can do that through being passive. We can do that by hearing something that's going on in a study and just saying, eh, that's them. And yet now they're believing. By not saying anything, it's almost a silent affirmation of that teaching. So we need to be able to guard that. Does it concern you that in our culture, in, in our society, that we see so many people who just flee the church? They're like, yeah, you know what? I can, I can get something a little bit better over here. Or, yeah, I, I don't like their music. Or, yeah, you know what? The, the service was a little, you know, yeah, they preach the gospel, but I really like light shows and lasers and fog machines, you know? That's not what we should be looking for in a healthy church. Is the church solid on the gospel? And again, I know that we can make that, yeah, we preach the gospel every week. But are we truly believing in it for our salvation? Are we finding joy from the gospel? I don't want to mislead anyone. Treating others well, serving in the church, voting, singing hymns, praying, these are all good things. But they are certainly not saving things. That falls to Jesus. There's only one gospel that saves us, and that is the one given directly from Christ. Paul ends, he says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? So often I have found, at least for myself, and I won't speak for anyone else, but I find myself, especially whenever I'm in a conversation, if it gets tense, if it gets to the point where we're just trying to be cordial with each other, I can sometimes compromise the gospel. I can sometimes say, well, you know what? Yes, okay. Like, you believe what you believe, I'll believe what I believe. We can't compromise on it. And sometimes we'll we'll twist things and we'll kind of maybe leave some parts of the gospel out, you know, because we don't want to offend people. And, and there's something to be said about walking lightly around people's emotions, but it doesn't mean that you compromise the gospel. Paul says, if I were trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So if our goal is to make the gospel really appealing to people, and we're trying to please people through that, we've actually given up being a servant to Jesus. Because we learned in 1 Corinthians that the gospel is actually offensive to us as sinners. And only because of the grace of God do we actually open to the gospel. Which is back to our main idea. God has given us one gospel, 
and believers should work to guard it against false teaching. So this week, I know we're busy. I know we have a lot going on. How can we work a little harder to understand our Bible more, to challenge and invite people to repent of their sins, to trust in Christ, to trust in Christ alone. How can we do that? We have a workshop coming up on the 18th, Tuesday. We're going to be working through a passage of Scripture, learning how to study uh, the context, the genre, what the passage meant for the original audience. This is all important. I would encourage you, if you haven't attended one, to attend one. Are we able to have conversations like Daryl was saying, where we can point people back to scripture in a loving, compassionate way that reflects Jesus and not just winning the argument. Can we do that? I will say it's impossible to do that if you aren't having those conversations. So maybe work on having those conversations with people. So as we share the gospel and we are seeking to obey what God has commanded us to do. I pray that we would come together as a church to guard each other, to make sure we are sound in what the gospel teaches so that when we have ministry opportunities to those in the public or inviting those into our building, we can be sound on what we are teaching them and leading them and that we are representing Christ well in all that we do so that they too can join us in that eternal life that we share with Christ.